0: Hey, everybody. What's good?
1: Welcome to the Fast God Stuff podcast, where we make biblical theology simple, practical, and fun so that we can love God and others more.
0: Hi, I'm Conrad, and I used to be the 90s Christian punk rock man, Goody Hook. And I'm
1: Jesse, and I've seen a moose four times. Ooh.
0: Moose brag. We're just two guys trying to follow Jesus, hanging out in the studio with our Bibles and
1: guitars. We take just 30 minutes fast. to chat about a theological topic
0: Talk. and renew
1: our minds with the good things of Christ.
0: Stop! It's fast, got stuff. So Conrad, what are we talking about today? Today we're going over, is Joel Osteen wrong? Two, three, four, is Joel Osteen wrong? Somebody tell me. And the prosperity. Gospel. Is it wrong? Is it wrong? Yeah.
1: <laughs> 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 it's a it's an ending combination of things. <laughs> so here's something that's not funny, Conrad. Why are we talking today about whether Joel Osteen is wrong?
0: Okay. So most Christians know that the prosperity gospel that Joel Osteen and others promote has crept into mainline Christianity. However, a lot of Christians are uneasy with it and therefore stay away from it, but by doing so, they are limited in how they can convincingly converse with our brothers and sisters who listen to the Prosperity Gospel. So for this episode, we looked into the Prosperity Gospel for you in order to provide you with a tool so that you can lovingly help others see what the Prosperity Gospel might get wrong and hopefully steer them to the pure gospel.
1: Let's get to it. All right. So what are Joel Osteen and the Prosperity Gospel all about?
0: So first, I'll explain what the prosperity gospel is and its fundamental logic. So first, we have to define the true gospel. The true gospel is Christ died so that through faith, we can be united to God. But prosperity gospel ultimately says Christ died so that through faith, we can be united to our idols. Now, you'd be right in saying that there's no way anyone would admit to believing that, but these preachers are what I like to call sleight-of-hand magicians. They use biblical words but swap out their meanings. That's why if you read like a standalone quote by Joel Osteen, it might not seem that bad, but you'll see, a quote to the, like you'll see a quote to the effect of faith pleases God. Well, yeah, I'd agree with that, but only if by faith you mean walking in loving obedience to God's word, then yeah, I'd agree with him. But if you listen in context to him, to a full sermon, it's clear that these preachers swap out the biblical meaning of faith with the meaning of positive thinking right in front of you like a sleight of hand magician. So other times, they're actually more blatant than this. He'll do what I call the bait and switch. So someone like Joel Osteen will take your Queen of Hearts card and swap it with a napkin where he scribbled Ace of Spades, and then he expects you to believe it's the same card. Wait, he can't be that obvious, can he? Can't flat out open his sermons with a bait and switch false claim. Like he can't swap out God's biblical promises with something as trivial as our dreams. Oh yeah, watch him. Here's the clip. I
2: want to talk to you today about seeing to the promise. All of us have things we're believing for, dreams we want to accomplish, problems we're hoping will turn around. We know God put the promise in our heart. Wait, wait, wait. wait, 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 wait. Can happen. Listen to that.
0: second. What? Yeah, Second sentence in, he just swapped out our dreams with God's promises. Okay, let's go to the instant replay so you can look for it again. Here we go. Switching our dreams with God's promises. I want to talk to you today about seeing to the promise. Okay, dreams. We'll say dreams.
2: All of us have things we're believing for, dreams we want to accomplish, dreams. problems we're hoping okay. we'll turn he's gonna around. he's going to say it's
0: God's promises now.
2: We know God put the promise in our heart. Ah, uh, right there. It is.
0: He starts off with this. And do you know why he has to lead with his promise? And he, re- he repeats this numerous times during his so-called sermon. It's because this idea is actually the very foundation of prosperity gospel. The foundation of prosperity gospel is God is the source of your desires, and therefore he wants to bring them to pass. But in reality, what this means is God is both the source and means of our idolatry. Right. Well, maybe we're just misunderstanding the clip. Maybe he defines dreams as in godly dreams, like growing in the fruit of the spirit or becoming like Christ and not earthly dreams like promotions, financial security, bodily comfort, and romance, well, you know what? You'd be super wrong because that's all he does. I compiled all the times he lists these idols in one of his sermons called Sing to the Promise, and out of a 25-minute sermon, it's almost three minutes he uses to reiterate these idols. So listen to how many times he lists these idols, money, romance, health, slash bodily comfort, promotions and success
2: maybe the medical report's not good
0: bodily comfort
2: we don't have the funds we need money doesn't seem possible here's the next clip is what causes healing to
0: spring bodily up comfort again
2: abundance to spring success. up. success breakthroughs to spring next up. next you're dealing with an illness bodily instead comfort. of complaining spring up oh healing next clip you don't have the funds you need money spring up abundance success spring up promotion success spring up opportunity next clip You've been single a long time. Romance. Believing for a spouse. Spring up, oh good-looking husband. You're believing good for children. good husband. Yeah. Spring up, oh baby. He makes children into an Thank you that my idol. healing is coming. Thank healing, you that good breaks again. are on the good way. Good success. Thank you that divine connections, the right people, are in my future.
0: Slash romance. You may be sick. You can sing Probably your way again. to
2: health. You're stuck in your career. You can sing
0: your way to success the Success again.
2: I got passed over for the big promotion.
0: So he goes on like this for another couple minutes of this this compilation of him li- doing this list. So so I'll just kind of lower it and let him blab on. In the oh,
1: thank goodness. That was too much for me. The, but this is why the prosperity gospel in Joel Osteen in particular goes by other names that people know, like name it and claim it, health and wealth, positive confession gospel, blab it and grab it. Those are all really good names for what right, we're talking right. about
0: here. So the prosperity gospel really says God is not only the source of your idols, he can also help you get them. So let's fo- all follow God's will straight to earthly pleasures, riches, bodily comfort, and success. And that's why Osteen fills stadiums and sells tons of books, because it's just what people want to hear.
1: And those white teeth.
0: Yeah, and the perfect hair. Right, which were given to him by God because he God. claimed them. Okay, so what is the application in all this? In our minds, we might not be fooled by the prosperity gospel, But that doesn't stop us from living as if we were because we too have idols. Our idols show their face when we get upset or even just complain. Like we get upset when we lose money due to repairs, it shows that we worship money. When we don't find success and we get upset about it, it shows that we worship ourselves. When we get sick and we get upset, it shows that we worship bodily comfort. And the list goes on, romance, politics, sports traffic, anything. When the Bible says be anxious in nothing and everything give thanks, These verses are only possible because of God's real biblical promise that he's using hardships to make us more like Christ, Romans 8, 28 to 29. Right. So here's my 15 second Fast God Stuff summary. Prosperity gospel blatantly replaces God with idols. However, we do that more subtly by becoming attached to temporal earthly things. We can use our anxiousness and complaints to expose our idols because God's real promise to us isn't idols but rather to make us more like Christ, which he often does so by removing our idols. (laughs) Amazing solo. Maybe I should name and claim some guitar skills. You
1: just claimed victory
2: (laughs) over that guitar. Why don't you start calling out those promises he's put in you? Uh, We we didn't mean to have that in there. There's a promise that we knew God placed Conrad, your Osteen is calling you you out. So let's let him hang himself with his own words one more time here. There are goals God has put in you. Idols God put in you. Dreams. Idols. Healing. Promotion. Restoration. They're lying doors.
0: Okay, that's enough of that. Okay, so Jesse, what are things that struck you when you were looking into the prosperity gospel? So
1: here's another thing that the prosperity gospel gets really wrong. And once again, it has to do with sliding definitions around to make it work in a way that seems pleasing to us. Mm -hmm. And that is that faith is a self-generated force that leads to prosperity. Right. Now, the Bible teaches that faith, where the Christian is able to believe and trust in Jesus to save our souls, that is the work of the Holy Spirit in our hearts. So in fact, when we think about faith, the Bible defines the faith in the most general sense as ascent of the mind to the truth of God as it is revealed by the Holy Spirit. So it is God bringing about this work in us, opening our minds and our hearts to receive this faith. And so faith comes from God and it's centered on him since our sinful condition prevents us naturally from even knowing or understanding anything about God. Mm -hmm. So that's why Paul writes to the church in Ephesus, as for you, you were dead in your transgressions and sins, dead, not asleep, not we need to wake up our dreams, but totally dead. For it is by grace you have been saved through faith, and this is not from yourselves. It is a gift of God, not by works that no one can boast. So faith rests upon a person, upon Jesus, actually. So it's not just a belief in a doctrine. It's not an opinion. It's not a formula. It's a belief concerning a person. And John makes that really clear. And he writes in his book, But these things are written that you may believe that Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of God, and that by believing— You may have life in his name.
0: Right. So basically you're saying that faith is believing in Christ and believing in Christ's words, which leads to an obedient life.
1: Exactly. And the power and the ability to believe comes from God himself.
0: He's the source of our faith.
1: Exactly. So this is the exact opposite of what the prosperity teachers espouse, because they tell us that faith is a force that comes from within a
0: person and is given to God. Right. And instead of faith being based in the person, work, and words of Jesus Christ, faith to them is really just positive thinking. And if you're wondering, we will talk about how prayer properly fits into this in a later part of the podcast.
1: Exactly. So Kenneth Copeland, who is a prominent figure in the Prosperity Gospel Movement, writes this, faith is a spiritual force, a spiritual energy, a spiritual power, Is the force of faith which makes the laws of the spirit world function. What? There there are certain laws governing prosperity revealed in God's word. Faith causes them to function. So in other words, it's our faith which gives God the power to accomplish our desires, which are really our own selfish motives and our own idols. God is not limited by the natural. He's limited by what we believe. So faith is not a God-granted, God-centered act. Rather, it's a humanly wrought spiritual force directed at God as a mean to achieve material gain rather than justification before God. It's the exact, it can't be more opposite than that, can it? Yeah. And this is what we can take away from this discussion. We need to be careful as Christians that we don't let that kind of thinking even kind of seep in even very subtly Mm -hmm. into how we behave. So here's a good recommendation for things that we can do to prevent this. Stop trying to generate some power within yourself that's going to make you better. Because we don't need rehabilitation through more stuff or accomplishments. We need regeneration by God giving us a new heart. Mm -hmm. So the best thing we can do is fall before God and say, you are the source of faith and not me trying to leverage you to get what I want right now.
0: Right, because true faith leads us to do what God wants And faith is not positive thinking to get God to do what we want.
1: Exactly. So here is the 15-second Fast God Stuff summary. The idea of faith presented by the prosperity gospel is a lie because it turns Jesus from the self-giving, sin-atoning, wrath-satisfying, guilt-removing Savior into an eager butler who fetches all of our desires and gives us our best life now. Faith is a gift from God to the Christian that empowers us to believe and to trust in the finished work of Jesus Christ. Awesome. So Conrad, hit me with another example of where the prosperity gospel falls
0: short. So since you went over faith, I want to go over the consequences of a false faith. Um, so idolatry does more than steal worship from God. It also steals our faith, our real faith. Now you might think this is odd because isn't prosperity gospel all about faith? but it's a false faith placed in false gods, which leads to a false hope. So now we all have idols, but one who thinks biblically through biblical faith tries to get rid of that idol and tries to put their hope in God. However, the prosperity gospel follower who has an idol through false faith reinforces that idol and puts a false hope in their false faith. So it's always, it ends up always being, you just need more faith You just need more time for it to come to pass. The yes is just around the corner. So now the consequence of this false faith is now a battle between one, a false faith and two, obtaining a false God. There can be no winner. So let's say your false God is marrying that cute girl that you see at the bank. So your false faith takes the form of daily prayer to attain this false God. Uh, Prosperity gospel teaches that your yes is just right around the corner. A year passes, well, you know what? You just need more faith. You don't have enough. Uh, Another year passes. Oh, you know what? You just need more faith. Oh, 20 years passes. Oh, you just need more faith. Now you are essentially a spiritual stalker. You've wasted your life as a fool chasing an idol. So there's this concept in the Bible called wisdom that God spent an entire book on. False faith tosses out wisdom. So you don't need qualifications. You just need faith. You don't need to prepare. You just need faith. You don't need to study. You need faith. And Proverbs 1.7 says, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. Fools despise wisdom and instruction. Right. So what Joel Osteen does to combat this, is combat wisdom, he inserts into his sermon, a one in a million type story where someone went against wisdom and still got their idol. And then he attributes that to attaining the idol to the false faith when it just as easily can be attributed to the law of averages or people just being people or worst yet, Satan, who grants idols all the time through temptation.
2: How could someone that's never kicked a field goal in college doesn't have the qualifications, the experience, the resume, make it to the highest level,
0: the NFL, that's God. So when you toss out the biblical concept of wisdom and replace it with false faith, well then it's always you just need more faith or you just need more time. You may have to water it for another month, a year, or 20 years, but if you'll keep watering that seed, 20 years,
2: thanking God for the promise, (laughs) at the appointed time,
0: it will come to pass.
1: Sweet Maria.
0: Yeah. So what is the application in all this? A false faith is merely positive thinking. A true faith is walking in faith according to God's word, and God's word tells us to seek wisdom. Proverbs 15, 22 says, without counsel, plans fail, but with many advisors, they succeed. So, we have to ask ourselves, are we obedient to this command? Are we surrounding ourselves with advisors, advisors in spiritual, financial, relational, and health matters? And every day we need to pray for wisdom, because wisdom better tells us how to carry out God's general commands. So, here's the 15 second Fast God Stuff summary False faith is the enemy of wisdom. True faith is walking in God's word, which tells us to seek wisdom. We must seek wisdom in all areas of life from godly people and experts in their respective fields. Only by walking in true faith and wisdom can we be more obedient to God's command to love God and love others. (laughs) This is too heavy. It's so heavy. Seriously, I, I need
1: a nap right now. Oh my gosh. This is so I cannot take any more of the prosperity gospel. It, what's the opposite? It's like draining me of prosperity.
0: Yeah, and I hope you listeners out there appreciate all the horrible, terrible things we had to listen to to prepare for this podcast. Oh. I felt so dirty afterwards. I had to take a shower. Yeah, that—that's the thing. I felt the same way too. I actually like was like, maybe I should ask God for forgiveness. <laughs> like I felt that bad. <laughs> Uh, Okay, so what is your other takeaway from the prosperity gospel?
1: Here's another thing that Joel Osteen and friends get tremendously wrong, and that is they teach that prayer is a tool to force God to give you what you want. Mm -hmm. And that's clearly not what the Bible teaches. The Bible explains that prayer is an offering up of our desires to God for things agreeable to his will in the name of Jesus with confession of our sins and thankful acknowledgement for his mercies. And Jesus himself teaches this really well. In fact, I love that the disciples clearly had a mind for prayer. Yeah, they wanted like, to understand it better. What's
0: he, they asked, what's the deal with prayer? Exactly. And yeah. so
1: Jesus says to them, let me teach you how to pray. Let me give you a rubric. And so that's what we get in Matthew 6, which we know of as the, the Lord's Prayer. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. In that prayer, we learn from Jesus that prayer is God-centered and seeks God's agenda, right. not our own. Yeah. And that's also true because in the Garden of Gethsemane, When Jesus is an inch away from his life, from being separated from the Father by way of punishment for our sins, Mm -hmm. he, of course, prays. He spends three times, in fact, praying in agony, and he prays, Father, if you are willing, remove this cup from me. That's the desire. Nevertheless, not my will, but yours be done. That's God's agenda.
0: Yeah, not my will, but yours be done.
1: Now, this is exactly the opposite surprise as to what the prosperity gospel teaches, Uh, Because they teach that prayer is a means of achieving personal success and acquiring material possessions. In fact, prosperity teachers will often say, we have not because we ask not. Right. Now, that's also in the Bible. That is actually from James chapter Mm 4. And the problem here is they're equating, well, if you just believe enough, you can believe for whatever you want, and you will get it if you ask for God Mm -hmm. in prayer. But just so you think that I'm not actually making that up, that people actually say that, listen to Creflo Dollar here, who is an important preacher in the prosperity of gospel movement. Listen to how he describes it.
0: And let me tell you something about me believing God. I can dream as long as I want to. I can believe God as long as I want to. If I want to believe God for a $65 million plane, you cannot stop me. You cannot stop me from dreaming. Dream for the best healing, dream for the best deliverance. Dream
1: So this is really good news. If you've been holding out on those prayers for the $65 million plane (laughs) that you really wanted, but thought that wasn't a biblical thing to ask
0: for. Yeah. So basically they're proving, ask for whatever. It doesn't matter how ridiculous it is. Exactly. Ask God for whatever. Exactly. And if you do it in prayer,
1: you're bound to get it. And the problem with this is it puts a complete overemphasis on man and turns prayer into this tool that believers can use to force God to grant their desires. So that means Man and not God becomes the focal point of prayer. Mm-hmm. And that's just a straight up lie. That's a bold face lie, according to the scriptures, because it makes man greater than God. And then that means we can't even get beyond the first commandment before breaking it, which is have no other gods before me. Exactly. And we've set ourselves yeah. up as the very God over the one who's given us those commandments.
0: Yeah. And here's a verse I like to use concerning prayer. So 1 John 5.14 says, if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. Notice it says his will, not ours. So we have to ask ourselves, how do we pray for God's will? Well, there are two sides to God's will. One, what God wills to do to you. And two, what God wills you to do. So one, what he wills to do to you is make you more like Christ and sanctify you. And two, what he wills you to do is love God and love others. Because remember in Matthew 22, Christ summed up all the commands in the Bible into Love the Lord your God, and also love your neighbor as yourself. So for our prayer to be God's will and not be idolatrous, it must meet these two criteria. One, does my prayer request make me more like Christ? And two, does my prayer request help me love God and others more? So two people are praying for a promotion. The prosperity gospel follower and general idolater will ask, God, give me this promotion because it will make me happier and more successful. The one who prays according to God's will will pray, God grant me this promotion only if, one, it will help me be more like Christ, and two, if it will help me love you and others more. Because if not, then don't grant it, not my will, but yours be done. And God heal me only if the healing, one, will help me be more like Christ, and two, if it will help me love God and others more. So idolaters pray to God as a means to receive requests so they can please themselves. However, those with true faith pray to God to receive the means to please God. True faith prays for the means and ability to please God.
1: Exactly. And so the prosperity gospel very sneakily, if that's a word, Mm -hmm. changes our focus. And it causes us to make the gifts rather than the giver of the gifts our object of affection. And that's idolatry, Mm -hmm. which we've already spoken about. And it's not that we shouldn't ask for the things that we believe God desires for us to have. Uh, But an idol is a good thing that has become a God thing. In fact, St. Augustine called idolatry disordered love. And that's exactly what the prosperity gospel is. Love that has been disordered. So curiously, prosperity teachers ignore the second half of James' teaching on prayer, which says, you ask and do not receive because you ask wrongly to spend it on your passions. Ah,
0: that is prosperity gospel completely summed up in one verse. Exactly,
1: And James, centuries ago already addressed it.
0: Yeah. So let's read that one more time. You ask and do not receive
1: because you ask wrongly to spend it on your passions. Exactly. So here's something that we can take away from this to make sure that we we don't even fall again subtly into thinking this way. The first is when we pray, we should have a focus, and a great focus to have is to use the acronym ACTS, A-C-T-S. Mm-hmm. Have yep. you heard this Yeah, I, to, this,
0: I use this exact same thing.
1: This is so great. So yeah. ACTS is an acronym with each letter standing for something, obviously. A stands for adoration, C, confession, T, thanksgiving, and S, supplication, which is last. It's a good way to order your prayer life so you can focus on what's most important, seeking the Lord's will, and then putting yourself last.
0: Right. So let's explain this a little bit further. So A stands for adoration, which really is praise. So praise is... Um, praising God for his attributes. So think of it like God is fill in the blank. Awesome. God is love. God is just. God is righteous. So you open up your prayer with, like, God, we praise you because you are just. We praise you because you are loved. Rad. We praise you because you are faithful. The next thing is C, confession. That's just asking God for forgiveness for your sins. T is thanks. And this is thanking God for what he has done. So things like, you know, God, thank you for sending Christ to die for our sins. Thanks, what you find in the Bible. Uh, that's uh, That's half of it. The other half of it is, Thank you that, you know, you kept me safe on the airplane and things that are actually happening in your life. Thank you for this podcast. Exactly. And S means supplication, which really just means prayer requests. And again, this is where you pray to God to grant a certain request only if it will ultimately, one, help you be more like Christ, and two, help you love God and others more. So in this way, you can truly be asking for God to grant requests only if it furthers his will.
1: Right. The second is something I do a lot, and this is gonna sound really kind of creepy, is I pray out loud, especially when I'm alone, uh, because I find that it helps me stay focused and I'm getting like immediate auditory feedback. So I'm kind of hearing the very words that are coming out of my mouth. And sometimes I'm praying and I'm thinking, this sounds ridiculous. Like I'm totally out of whack here. And having your own voice in your head, in your actual ears, is really helpful for that. The last thing that I recommend is go out right now, stop what you're doing, throw your phone away. Or Well, actually, don't throw it away if you're going to order this online. Go get this book called The Valley of Vision, A Collection of Puritan Prayers and Devotions. It's a wonderful compilation. It's a slender volume, but of all kinds of rich prayers that will help you get in the habit of praying more, praying better. It's a really great resource. So here is the 15-second Fast God Stuff summary when it comes to the prosperity gospel and prayer. The prosperity gospel shrinks the concept of prayer down to an unfiltered pursuit of our desires. It shifts the emphasis away from spiritual fulfillment in communication and relationship with God to empty materialism in which prayer is a cosmic ATM. Because the best part of prayer is getting God, not stuff.
0: Awesome. All right,
1: Conrad. So take us home now. What is really the heart and the message of what we've been talking about today?
0: Okay, so I'll sum up our entire podcast. Prosperity gospel at its heart makes God the source and means to our idolatry. It does so by first making God the source of our idolatry by falsely claiming that our dreams and desires are actually promises from God. Our desires can only be from God if we deny the extent of our sin through claiming that our righteous power comes from within rather than from Christ. Our desires then end up being defined by temporal earthly things mainly money, health slash bodily comfort, romance, and success. In order to reach these sinful desires, it must make God into the means to our idolatry through a false faith defined as positive thinking. Replacing true faith with positive thinking ends up replacing obedience to seek wisdom with unending false hope through a false faith that seeks a false God. Now, this does two things to our understanding of God. One, it makes God our slave because he is limited by the extent of our positive thinking, thus denying God's sovereignty. And two, it also makes God into a promise breaker because God cannot fulfill his promise unless we have enough positive thinking, thus denying God's faithfulness. So in conclusion, the prosperity gospel makes you God and God your servant. And here's the application. There are many of us who see how obviously dangerous the prosperity gospel is. However, we cannot get too self-righteous because even though we don't seek idols in the same way, we too have idols. So when you talk to a prosperity gospel follower, speak to them in love because you are talking to a fellow idolater. We must remind ourselves and them that we are sinners in need of the ongoing sanctifying work of God. And through this work, we learn not to store up for ourselves treasures on earth, by loving idols and loving ourselves, but rather store up for ourselves treasures in heaven by loving God and loving others.
1: Well, that's all the time that we have for today. Oh, no. Make sure you subscribe and rate the Fast God Stuff podcast on iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, or wherever you like to podcast.
0: Also, check out fastgodstuff.com. For all kinds of content that will help you achieve all your dreams. Until next time, love God, love others, that's, that's it. it. Two, three, four, thanks for listening. Thanks for listening. To the, the best podcast We're ever. We're so When I say name it, you say claim it. Name it. Claim it. Name it. Claim it. When I say prosperity gospel, you say heresy. Prosperity gospel, heresy. <laughs> prosperity gospel, heresy. <laughs> Thanks for listening to Fast God's. It. claim that